going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I have not one, but two of my co-hosts on the line. I have T-Up, and I have Kamo. So it is, uh, I don't know, that the stars have a line. T-Up, are you there? Yo, what it do, JT Dead? And Kamo, are you there? Hey, Justin. Happy uh, Happy New Year. Is it, is it 2019? Yes, yeah, Gong Hei Fa Choi, it is 2019. This is your first pod of 2019, it feels like, right? I, I, I think so, but, uh, you know, good good to be back. Um, yeah, I, I think it was episode number 94, is it? This is, uh, yes, this is JT Dub number 94. And uh, while you've been, you know, moving to Seattle and having a kid and shit, uh, me and my boy T up in L.A. have been uh, holding it down and... So have the ratings? They've been going yeah. up as well. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have noticed. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I was there for episode one, but I'm glad to see uh, T up and and uh, yourself holding it down for you know the other ninety plus episodes. I mean, technically, with the whole podcast, this was your idea technically because I did the whole, I did the Twitter <laughs> thing, I did the blog, but I didn't really go into podcasting until. Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 I feel like I think we I think we uh, I think we hopped on the podcast. You know, before it became such a such a big uh, you know big bandwagon. So I, I want to say we uh, we were kind of paving the line. You know, we're following the uh, BS's uh, lead. Trendsetters, trendsetters. And so, how are we doing, fellas? Right, I'm, I'm in, yeah, I'm in the presence of two OGs. I feel uh, I feel honored. <laughs> I, I want to say I want to say uh, Justin that if, if you make it big, I, I get a ten percent of royalties because it was my idea. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, that's cool, right? I can get you. A, uh, oh, get, yeah. get you a blue moon, <laughs> or or uh, your or your favorite. You can get, get you a Stella. Yeah. Stella. 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 It's an inside joke, by the way, listeners. Um, yeah. Anywho, so uh, let's go ahead and talk some NFC West football, guys. And so, for those that know, or if you know, if you don't know, now you know. So, I'm in the Bay Area right now. I live in Berkeley. Tee up. Thomas is, uh, I always forget, but you're like in Anaheim or you're like in LA. Let's just say you're in LA. And, uh, Kamo, who was in, well, shoot, he's been in Arizona. He's been in California. Now he's currently residing in Seattle. And so, technically, we have three fourths of the NFC West on this pod, on this call, which is super awesome because I think that each of us can hold down each. NFC West team, respectively. Am I right? Yes. No. For no, sure. No. For sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, this, this, I, I just yeah. I just uh, I just realized that I've actually lived in uh, in every city. I mean, if you count Southern California as Ram territory, uh, that NFC West teams play. So, kind of kind of a trip. Kind of. You got a NFC West jersey for every team too, or what's up? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no. It works out that we have a NFC West podcast, and then we, we have uh, people in each location that can report on behalf of their team, uh, you know, the respective respect team in that location. That's, that's pretty awesome. I don't think no other podcast can say that. Yeah, man. For sure, for sure. And mind you, this is all coincidental. We didn't really plan this. I didn't say, hey, Kevin, you know what? We need more Seattle coverage. Can you just move to Seattle? And I'm like, yeah. up. Just, just stay in SoCal. Just don't, don't come back to the Bay. Just stay yeah, there. I, I need sure. you there. I need you posted there. You know. For sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, we, you know, you gotta, 
you got to do big things to, to, to make some success. So we're, you know, we're on, we're on our way. All right. Well, I appreciate you supporting my endeavors. Let's go ahead and get started. So, you know, the last pod we talked about, you know, we're halfway through the preseason and whatnot. And then now, yeah, we're three quarters of the way. Preseason week three has now been completed. And, um, yeah, and it was, it was nice. It was encouraging for some of these players. Um, for the most part, this is probably going to be the last time we see the ones on each respective team play. Um, because I feel like week four is eerily close to the regular season. So that's kind of a dress rehearsal for, you know, the bottom dwellers of the roster that are tw- trying to make the team, trying to make it from 9 to 53. Um, so let's just go ahead and start this out easy because I think this might be, it's been a long time since we did a three-way podcast. And so let's just try to get into the flow of this. Let's go with a team that we know very well. Okay. And that's those San Francisco 49ers. And so preseason week two, obviously everyone is talking about Jimmy G and his lack thereof, his lackluster starts against the Broncos. And so this past Saturday it was really interesting because he goes to Kansas City at Kansas City, the place where he tore his ACL in week three last year. And so it's nearly been a year since he's played. He goes back there. They give him a whole half of football. And you know what? He does pretty well. I mean, he completes... I think it was like 115 yards passing, a touchdown, a 20-yard lob to Matt Breida on a corner route. Uh, yeah, 110 passer rating. They played him throughout the whole first half. He took one hit. He got back up. He looked okay. Uh, so I'll give it to Tia. I mean, Tia, what were your thoughts about that? Uh, he, he did start a little shaky at the beginning of the game. Uh, but once he got into a rhythm, I felt like it took him a full quarter to get into a rhythm, and uh, Shanahan was able to put a nice step together. Um, but once he got into that rhythm and he started letting the ball fly, I felt that I was that, that's Jimmy's element. And when the, when the offense is able to separate from the defenders, uh, Jimmy's able to get, get his cadence down, I felt like he, he was in his element. And his receivers were... You know, they were really fancy on the ball. Um, offense blind by the good good protection. I think it's, uh, you know, despite the, the previous two weeks, I think he had a pretty admirable game. All right. What's it, you two, Kamo? Yeah, so unfortunately moving up here, I don't have I don't have the same, uh, you know, CSN Bay Area access as I once had, so I didn't get a chance to watch this game. But um, just reading over some of the – some of the reports and the highlights and stuff. Um, obviously, Jimmy G couldn't have could only have gone up from the week prior. So yeah, like a zero passer. Happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So happy to hear that. Kind of found a stride again. Um, you know, again, it's it's been a you know almost a year since his injury, so the rust is starting to come off a little bit. But uh, you know, happy to see you know the the, the the score you know be up there. So that you know the offense is moving. Yeah, I mean, it really. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying it really makes a difference to have like decent pass protection. I mean, for week three, per yeah. Pro Football Focus, uh, Ben Garland, the center, Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle, uh, right guard, Mike Person, they were all there in the mix and they had very positive grades uh, per Pro Football Focus. And so it makes a difference to give Jimmy G some time uh, versus getting pressured on every other down, you know? 
for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I felt that, uh, well, there was actually one play that that big with me. Mm. I think it was a, it was third and short, and Chief that came out with a sack. I think it was Craig Clark who came out with the sack on Jimmy. Yes. And that kind of killed the drive, and they had a, they had a good, uh, they had a good rhythm going there. But, I mean, that goes to saying that, you know, we don't have us others in right now for the offensive line, but at the same time, um, you know, there were glimpses where if Jimmy is given, you know, enough protection time that he could get the ball off. I won't say that I liked seeing Frank Clark touch Jimmy G and you know, get a sack, but I, I can't appreciate him taking a hit that's been so long. And, you know, mentally, just think about it. He's at KC, the place where he got hurt last year. For him to take the sack, get back up, um, you know, I think a lot of it right now for him is just his emotional makeup. Uh, I think, you know, physically he's right there. Um, his, you know, like I said, his his ACL, his rehab, I've heard very positive things. But I think a lot of it is the timing. I think he just needs more rep- repetitions. And what really made it interesting on that touchdown drive um, in the first quarter, I think it was the second drive, but, you know, it was third and shorts, and he did, he did a go route to Richie James for, like, I think it was, like, 30 yards on third and shorts. And then the following play was when uh, he had... Matt Breida on a corner route, which was 25 yards for the score. So two very aggressive plays uh, by Jimmy G in, in the red zone, which was very, very refreshing to see. Justin, what are you? Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, QB two in the situation? Like, I, I've pretty much seen that has has Beathard kind of taken the lead over Mullins, or is it still a tight race going to the last uh, preseason game? You know, that's really interesting though, because during the the press conference with Kyle Shannon after the game. And we can talk a little bit more about this respectively, but he just got news that Colts quarterback Andrew Luck had retired. At age 29, he had retired. Kyle Shanahan got informed during the press conference, and he was, I, I think because of that, he was kind of taken off guard. But he did mention how important it is to have good depth at quarterback, and he said that, hey, you know what, maybe we will keep three quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. That was kind of an interesting comment by Kyle Shanahan. But at the same time, yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, he did acknowledge the need for, for a backup quarterback. Maybe, likely, in my opinion, uh, they're going to trade one of them. Um, where, yeah. you know, from the outside in, I think Mullins has the most upside in terms of intrigue from outside teams. I know that C.J. Beathard is Kyle Shanahan's boy, so it wouldn't surprise me, yeah. especially with the Colts and, you know, whatever's going on in the league. As you trim the roster to see them try to get something for Nick Mullins, I mean that's that's my takeaway. Would uh, would, would, what, yeah, would one of those guys end up going to practice squad, or was that going to go to that guy they drafted? You see, that, that's the thing. Once one of them goes to the practice squad, I think they're going to get taken off. They're going to get claimed by waivers pretty quick. So I think that they would be more inclined to oh, try yeah. to trade and get something because probably you know if once they go to the practice squad, it, it's pretty much fair game, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with that quote with uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think it's just uh, he's just trying to drive up the price. I don't, I don't see him keeping three quarterbacks and then he has to sacrifice another position such as wide receiver or, you know, someone on defense. I, I, I can't see. It's, it's hard to believe that he's going to keep three quarterbacks. Right. And it's tough, too, because, uh, you know, preseason-wise, I think Mullins has been the better quarterback. Mind you, he's been playing at the latter half of these preseason games against, like, the threes and the fours. But 
you know, it seems like he looks the part. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It should be interesting. I definitely do think that between Beathard and Mullen, each other, each of their weaknesses is the other quarterback trait, if that makes sense. Break it down. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by that to you? So, like, Beathard, in my opinion, he has a stronger arm, more of a cannon compared to Mullen. Sure. But then Mullen gets up the ball quicker. And that's kind of Beathard's uh, knack, or not knack, but his, uh, his drive is he hangs on to the ball too long, but he has a strong arm. Vice versa, Nick Mullins doesn't really have much mechanic compared to Beathard, but he gets the ball out faster. That's a good point. That's a good point. And Mullins is a little bit more mobile, too. He, he's able to lead the, the, the back. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see your perspective. I mean,. I don't know it's, it's 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 tough. I think that inevitably, even though I think Mullins is the better quarterback, I think that Shanahan, maybe out of pride, maybe it's because he's the third round pick, but maybe that's the reason why they stick with Beathard over Mullins. Um, yeah, let's just see how that kind of transpires. Uh, another train of thought too with this Niners offense, you know, all week and actually even even the other day, all I've been he- been hearing. At receiver has been Dante Pettis, and you've seen some good things from him. You've seen some some criticism from Kyle Shanahan recently, saying that hey, he's got to fight better for the ball. Uh, there was an ill-advised throw in the red zone by Jimmy G. He threw it into triple coverage, and Pettis was the receiver, but you know didn't get the catch. But Shanahan said he should have fought better. You know he should have more drive. He should have more poise. The starting position at wide receiver is still there for the taking. I mean, guys, do you think that Shanahan is just doing that to, you know, kind of put more flame, fuel to the flame and keep him up at a higher standard? Or should we be concerned about Dante Pettis going into his sophomore year? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. This is definitely going to be a big year for for uh, former UW, UW Husky Dante Pettis. Um, you know, like you said, that spot is definitely open for him to kind of take it over as being the number one and number two guy. Um, I think he definitely has the talent to do so, especially if he gets his, um, you know, punt return, kick returning game up again like he, like he did in college. But uh, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's probably the best route runner, but in terms of the strongest hands, you know, that go-getter attitude, Kyle Shanahan has alluded to yeah. Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurts is having the best hands, the strongest hands out of the team. Uh, Tee-Up, what are your thoughts about this whole Pettis situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Pettis, he's not, he's not performing up to what we're expecting. He's a little soft on the line, creating that separation against his defenders. Uh, I think he could be stronger just like how you and uh, Kamo mentioned um, to create that separation. He does, I mean, the speed is there and the rough running is there. I just, I feel he's just missing that aggression. I don't know if it's his, his frame um, or his... Uh, Right, but I feel like, you know, I guess we're expecting more aggressiveness out of him, especially after the Sure. I mean, I think some people are a little bit too overreacting, saying that you might not make the roster. I think that's bullshit, but I think Shanahan just wants, you know, for a starting receiver, he wants better for his receiver. He's got higher expectations because, um, you know, Marquis good when he's the veteran, but, you know, he's always hurt. Jordan Matthews, he's still competing for a roster spots. And then outside of that, everyone else is pretty much unproven. Kendrick Bourne, 
Trent Taylor, Richie James. You got you got promising rookies in Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. Uh, they need, you know, because especially with Trent Taylor being out for the foreseeable feature with his foot injury, um, Jamie G needs a reliable target outside of George Kittle. Like, we all know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I mean, he's going to make the roster for sure. I think it's just versus diverse psychology. He just wants to fire him up, you know, for him to play better. Yeah, for sure, I think we're going to we're gonna see a lot of credit uh, game for it. Some tough love, baby. I, I, I can anticipate that. Okay, well, Niners-wise, I mean, we've been talking all about the offense, but anything else top of mind? Um, you know, the Niners won 27-17. They had a strong... Per- I think it was more so the Jimmy G redemption game. A lot of emotional frustration from the Broncos game. For him to do this kind of emotionally just proves his point that, you know, he's ready to go. Um, and I say this for all the teams in the NFC West. For actually all the teams in the NFL, most of the number ones are not going to play in week four preseason because they're going to get ready for the, the regular season game. Um, so any other final thoughts to this Niners roster as we head into the last week of preseason? Oh, oh my bad. Okay, uh, you know, the defense, the pass rush, or the defense in general is kind of hard to gauge right now because we have zero pass rush. And I don't know if it's just me, but the defense kind of looks like one in the same as it, did, uh, as it does last year. Secondary woes, you know, the, there's always a gap open in the middle because linebackers are the last people at the last three pitch. Um, Ricky Sherman, I mean, that wheel route on the second play of the game. Oh, Tyree um, Kill? Bowen and Thomas in coverage. Yeah. Um, that was just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it kind of, it looks very reticent in the last game without the pass rush. Okay. What say you came up? Yeah, I was actually gonna. I was actually gonna ask you guys, kind of, what you guys' thoughts were. Uh, what What is the identity of our of our defense this year? I mean, okay. clearly looking at clearly looking at the defensive line, and, you know, talking about five first rounders, pretty crazy. You know? I don't think, like, I don't know if any other team actually has this as starters. I will but, say, um, well, like, to to your point, I will say this. I mean, Robert Sala, this is his third year as the defensive coordinator. I think the first couple of years, his, his cover three defense was rather vanilla. And I mean, that in a bad way. Where, you know, probably when he was in Seattle or when he was in Jacksonville, they had the talent to get away with a vanilla sort of defense. But I've noticed, at least in the preseason, he's been mixing it up with some more exotic blitz packages. That he's been doing a little bit more uh, complex stuff to keep the offense, you know, on their toes. And you need to do that, especially for uh, you know a team that doesn't necessarily have, well, as of right now, they don't have their their best edge rushers right now on hand. But I think that you're you're seeing that the uh, the Robert Sally in year three is a different version to what he was in year one and year year two. Is the defense there right now? I don't know because we haven't seen the full number one set of defenders. But I do see some progressive changes on the uh, schematics uh, of the defense. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I hope like uh, week one is both uh, I mean both is not even guaranteed to play week one, but week four. I hope that brings like that extra gear into our defense to be made. Right. That's what we've been missing, in my opinion. We'll see. We'll see. So let's go ahead and go. Let's see. Let's take a turn. Um, Camo, since it's been a while since we did a pod with you. Since you're in Seattle, I mean, so Seattle, they won 23-15. to 15. 
to the Chargers at L.A. Uh, Russell Wilson, he played a couple drives. Uh, he got hit once, no big deal. But more more impressively, it seemed like the offensive line, the run game, was quite positive. You saw positive runs out of Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, should even C.J. Prosize, who's been battling with injuries the last couple years. Uh, he finally made his debut in Week 3, and he actually led the team in rushing with about 35 yards and a touchdown score. Even Rashad Penny had a touchdown as well. Seems like the run game is coming along. We've seen some promise from the rookies, especially from the receivers, like Jared Ursua at the slot. Um, defense, pass rush has been kind of eh, but I mean... You know, at least from your perspective, what is your local Seattle approach when when you saw your your twelves play? I guess game your twelves. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting when you move to a to a rival city. How uh, how quickly you you know you you can see how people are. Um, you know, they they really embrace this team and hate the Niners with a passion. <laughs> but uh, you know, oh, man. they uh, I uh, just. Quick note: I went to I went to a Sounders game a couple weeks ago in that CenturyLink, and I was cringing a little bit seeing all like the, you know, green and teal and the Super Bowl thirteen banner hanging up there. But uh, you know, I, I digress a little bit there. So I mean, they, they love their Seattle. Uh, they love their Seattle football, though, right? No, yeah, it's huge here. It's a they um they, it's a real serious thing. They um. A couple of weeks ago, when the Pac Lynch came in and, and played well in preseason game, people were going apeshit for for him. They're like, he was like second coming of you know Peyton Manning. Oh my god, oh my god. Well, yeah. you guys. Should... But uh, you know, it's funny. I, I watched part of this preseason game, and when when Russ was in and took that hit, people were kind of like, oh shit, like Protecta has to, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, he's a obviously tough guy. He's built to his reputation as such, but. Um, yeah, Seahawks fans are real. They're uh, they're. I, I work in an office full of them, so I'm looking forward to wearing my, hopefully my Niners jersey on, on the day after we win. But looking to these games, yeah, they uh, the game yesterday was interesting. Uh, one guy you mentioned who I think will probably get that last year spot is, is John Ursua. They were talking about him being the potential replacement for um, uh, Doug Baldwin. Really. John Ursula yeah. out of a Hawaii okay. guys, he's like a seventh round pick. Okay. Yeah, just because he he's the slot guy, he has really good hands, um, and just watching him play, you can see you can see why they drafted him in the fifth round. Um, kind of unknown out of Hawaii, but uh, uh, making some making some a name for himself so far. Okay. Um, any other takeaways from this game? I mean, you know, like I said, positive run game. Offensive line seems to be coming along. Ethan Postick's at left guard right now. Um, it seems like all their backup spots, they're all hurt, which is kind of fucked up right now. Yeah. But they had some depth issues on the offensive line. Justin Britt's at center. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Any other other thoughts with this? Yeah, I think one thing's interesting, too, is the, is the story of uh, Shaquem Griffin, you know, the guy who only plays with one hand. How the linebacker. The linebacker. So this last game might kind of be the the, the final the final uh, um, you know job interview for him. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, what about the defense right now? Just because it seems like the offense 
for the most part, you're not too concerned. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. You have Russell Wilson. Seems like the receivers, they're, they're doing okay. David Moore, I heard he got hurt. He might not be healthy for the season, but he'll be there. Um, what about this defense? I'm still, at least from what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, so far in the preseason, this this pass rush, there's no Ziggy right now. LJ Collier, the rookie first-round pick, he's been hurt. Jerron Reed is suspended for the first couple games of the season. So you don't really have that much uh, coming from the outside and rushing the passer. You have, I mean, I've been waiting for Rasheem Green. I've been waiting for, I guess, the best pass rusher right now is Cassius Marsh. I mean, what the fuck, right? Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I think, I think the, the defense, is, I, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again, it's going to go through some woes. Um, their linebacker situation is a, is a little bit questionable. It's an older linebacker uh, situation, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, the free safety position, it's all Thomas, that's the big shoes still. Tedrick Thompson, um, yep. And their you know, quarterback, too. That's going to be, um, I think they have, they have, you know, enough to keep, um, you know, in the mix within the season, but I don't know if the longevity of, of the squad right now, I know that they're, they're missing elements. And that's the interesting thing with, you know, this defense. They have a lot of second and third year players where, you know, kind of similar to, to any any second and third year player. You show promise your rookie season. I know that Shaquille Griffin, for example, he looked really strong in his rookie season. And then last year he had some ups and downs. Trey Flowers, last year he's a fifth round pick. He looked really good. Uh, he might have some adjustment now that he's the full-time starter. And then, you know, I, I think that it's either going to be Jamar Taylor or Nico Thorpe at, at nickel. Um, and then you got some, you know, interesting battles uh, for the rest of the secondary. You know, you have Deshaun Sheedy. He's, he's a veteran that has bounced around the league after his success with Seattle. He might make the roster out of, I won't say out of necessity, but because of his versatility and his experience. Um, but, you know, as of right now, there's just... Um, it seems like no one has really emerged yet. Not saying that they won't, but it seems that they just need to kind of, um, they just got to learn, you know, they just got to continue to turn along and improve. That That's how I feel for this defense. Mm -hmm. it just, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts are on, uh, I know you've heard right now on, on DK Metcalf, though. You know, as, you know, as of right now, go ahead, go ahead. He is hurt. He had knee surgery. They they said that it's going to be a minor knee surgery. You know that he should be back sooner than later. But you know, obviously, for a rookie, especially a rookie that needs some refinements outside of his size, and we know he can run the go route. But you know, you would like a little bit more turning along for him in his rookie season. Um, but I think you know, prior to his surgery, he was having an okay preseason. I saw a lot of footage on Twitter, at least Russell Wilson's throwing the deep ball to D DK Metcalf, which is obviously, you know, it's just practice, but um, it shows a lot of promise, you know. Uh, the player that's been intriguing for them has not necessarily been DK Metcalf. It's been John Ur Ursua or whatever, the, the, the Hawaii receiver, the slot guy that's being compared to Doug Baldwin. He's been having the strongest camp out of the receivers group. And so, even though he's a seventh-round pick, he will probably make the roster. That's that's my take with it. So, I mean, all in all, um, 
you know, it's pretty much the same thoughts that I had the previous week. With the only difference is that Paxton Lynch got booked up against the Vikings, so he didn't play week three. Geno Smith had a pretty strong drive in his span of time. He had a touchdown drive as well. And so, yeah, I mean, easy as she goes. Tee up, are you ready to I talk? I add one thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm looking it up. Jim Ursula? Yep, Jim Ursula. Ursula? John, yeah, Jim, John Ursula. Her NFL reference. Mm-hmm. His nickname is. Can you guess what his nickname is? Um, Ursi. I don't know. <laughs> what, what? What is it? His, his nickname is J Dub. No shits. John Ursi. His nickname's J Dub. Oh, he might be my. He might be a potential just the West uh, player down the road. Let's just say that, especially if he uh, makes him uh Solid contributions for the Seattle team. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's, that's pretty awesome, actually. So, John Ursua, a.k.a. J-Dub. A.k.a. J-Dub. For sure, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and transition to uh, T-Up's neck of the woods, which is Los Angeles. You know T-Up's in OC, but you know what? The Rams do practice training camp in Irvine anyways, and Irvine's my alma mater, which is UC Irvine. UC Irvine doesn't have a football team, but they still practice there because UC Irvine is awesome. TF, what's up with them Rams, though? So the Rams, true to form, they uh, yeah, they didn't really play their ones. Um, they played at the Rams at LA. They beat the Broncos 6-10. to uh, Michael Thomas, wide receiver, had a 50-yard reception. He's looking strong into his fourth year. He looks slated to make the roster uh, to compete with the rest of that group, which consists of Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Joshua Reynolds. Um, I didn't see too much changing out of the offense. Um, you know, saw Malcolm Brown, John Kelly, didn't see any Todd Gurley. Saw Derry Henderson, or Daryl Henderson. Uh, offensive line is still coming along. It looks like um, th- the defensive line is... Outside of Aaron Donald, they're really trying to figure out their nose tackle, which seems to be um, what's that? Not not the not the rookie. Uh, Greg Gaines is right there, but it seems like Sebastian Joseph Day seems to be the nose tackle as of right now. Um, any thoughts about this game, or just any thoughts about this roster? Tee up. Uh, I, I feel like we're starting to see the, uh, the the positional battle with, with the Rams. Uh, definitely more so in the running back position. Yeah, I think it's going to be really important for for LA to, you know, be methodical of who they're going to bring on with the running the running back situation. Because obviously we know the whole arthritis thing that's going on with Gurley. Like they say that he's doing phenomenal, but that's know, what I've been hearing. Yeah, feeling great now, but you know, week ten, week twelve, that could be a whole different story. So, you know, I'm. I'm it, it, it's really a huge question mark like what's going to happen with Gurley. So, with that said, you know, we got Don Kelly. He, he had a, you know, admirable uh, showing on Saturday. Del Henderson, I think he's in the mix. Um, you know, we, we also have to talk about Justin Davis. He's, he's uh, getting some carries too. But I think it's really going to come down to who's going to get that third spot. I think John Kelly, he's already a lock for that third, for that second spot. And Henderson, I think it's just gonna it's gonna slightly beat out Justin Davis. 
I would agree that. I mean, they invested a third-round pick. He's out of Memphis. Great uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. So I, I would feel pretty confident about that. It's weird to say. I mean, J- Blake Bortles is probably going to remain the backup quarterback, which is kind of cool. Um, I think that the most intriguing position so far, just looking at the preseason, has been it's been cornerback. I mean, you have Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib and Troy Hill pretty much set in stone, but... I mean, I've been seeing some really good things out of that rookie out of Michigan, David Long. Shoot, even Kevin Peterson and Darius Williams. It's becoming, um, man, when you look at the cornerbacks, it's becoming a position of strength for them. It's been interesting, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, what's interesting is the wide receiver position, how that started to out. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been hearing... I've been seeing it too. Like, like, like I mentioned before, Mike Thomas, he's a big receiver. He was a seventh-round pick a couple years back. It seems like he's coming onto his own. He had injuries in the past, which is why it limited his playing time. Josh Reynolds, he came up for Cooper Cup when he was hurt last season. People have been saying that they're not three strong, but they're actually four strong if you include Josh Reynolds. Um, shoot, even JoJo Natson, I mean, he's been good on special teams as the punt and kick returner, but I mean, I think he'll probably round out that wide receivers group. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Right. Yeah. yeah, or let me ask you this to you. The one thing that's been kind of bugging me actually is, you know, obviously, you know, Corey Littleton is going to hold it down as, as the inside linebacker in their 3-4 scheme, but then, you know, uh, Mike, you know, Mika Kaiser, West Virginia, he got hurt the other week. He's probably out for the season. Uh, it was like a pectoral tear or whatever. So yeah, like Brian Hager, you have Trevin Howard, you have Dakota Allen. I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty much an open spot right now. I mean, any, any thoughts about that? Yeah, that's um, yeah, Dakota Allen is uh, yeah. What happened to Kaiser? I I, I missed that one. Say it again. Uh, Kaiser. What yeah. happened with him? Yeah, no, it, it was a trip. So, I mean, the other week, not this game, but the game before, preseason week two, um, you know, for the most part, the Rams don't really play their starters. And not necessarily saying he was a for-sure starter, but he was slated to start alongside Corey Littleton as inside linebacker in their 3-4 scheme. But, uh, yeah, he got caught up. He got hurt. Uh, I believe it's a pectoral injury, and so he's probably going to be out for the season, which, which sucks because, yeah, he was a second-year player. Mid-round pick last year, they had high hopes for him. That's kind of the reason why they let go of Mark Barron, why they let him go to Pittsburgh, is because they felt that, you know, that someone, whether it was Kaiser, Hager, or any of the other other guys, would step in. But lo and behold, Kaiser's hurt. Yeah. By him, you know, by the sound of it, by him getting hurt, that just uh, kind of reinforced McVay's philosophy on not playing his one during preseason. Yeah, it's tough. I could almost bet my house on when they play again for week four, we're definitely not going to see Nope, I don't think so. Yeah. Any other thoughts about about your Rams? And I say you're in a kind way, you know, since you live in the area and all. Yeah. What you been Uh, hearing from the radio, or what's what's the local take right now? To be honest with you. It, it seems pretty hum over here in LA. There's not really much uh, talk uh, being talked about about the Rams. It's mainly 
I don't know. It's kind of a weird. It's, it's a weird uh, time of the year. Every, every you know, avid sports fan knows it. You know. So they're kind of ho hum, yeah, kind of ho hum right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting on their high horse and shit, right? Since they haven't had a football team for many years, and you know these new generation Rams fans, I don't think they're used to this whole watching preseason and take take the series in their thirties and losing the film that the back end of their roster. I I, I feel that they're not conditioned look that far ahead sure for their team. I don't know oh, I mean me. there's very few people that really well I care about the preseason but I mean uh, I'm, I'm weird so whatever I get it I get it especially yeah. for Rams you know um, okay well let's leave it at that Rams continue to do you as long as no one else gets hurt I I kind of see the philosophy one interesting wrinkle, though, because of the whole McVay approach about him not playing the number ones and really limiting that and having success in that matter, it seems like McVay, can you make an argument that McVay is single-handedly killing the preseason? Because it seems like all these other teams don't want to play four games of preseason football either, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't really hate you. That's kind of like an NBA when, you rest, when teams, they rest their players during... Uh, you know, during the regular season, you know, work, workload management, workload management or whatever. Um, but then this is applied to the preseason. I guess, I mean, it is what it is. I get it. But as a fan, you know, they, they wrote that argument actually. Like, okay, so if you're a fan and you go to a preseason game and you spend almost the same amount of time for a preseason game than a regular season game, but you're not seeing any starters, should they go with a price of ticket? Right. Right. Right, that's right. That's definitely uh, that's definitely something that should be you know that can't be ignored. It's, it's good to talk about that because it's definitely more prevalent in football than it is in the NBA for sure. Especially from a ninety-man roster to a fifty-three, right? It's it, oh, I know it's like a lot. It's a yeah, lot to take in. Team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that goes with the Rams. Let's go ahead and go to Camo. You're still on the line, right? I'm here, yeah. Thanks for rolling with me. Falling asleep on me. You got him back. Your bitch ass falling asleep on me. So, hey, we're going to go to Arizona, those (laughs) Cardinals. So, you used to live in Arizona. You used to still live in Scottsdale, Scottsdale, right? Yeah, I read the border of Scottsdale and Phoenix. I mean, we'll always have a spring training in 2012, 13? Something like that. For those that don't know... Kind of how we started this friendship between me, T up and KMO is we actually uh, traveled all the way to Scottsdale for giant spring training, and then uh, pretty much we we packed like five dudes into like one smallest apartment, which was Kevin's, and uh, we wrecked his toilet with Mexican food. It was great. It was great times. But after that, we uh, you know for we're friends forever now, and now we're on this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, cute story. Yes. But not so much for your toilet. That was not. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, so story there. so anywho, so Arizona Cardinals against the Raiders. Kyler Murray fell back to earth after his promising start in Week One. Uh, Lamarcus Joyner made a comment saying that, "Hey, I don't want this pretty boy offense. We're gonna sniff that shit out." 
But then again, at the same time too, I mean, this is preseason. It's not like I don't really expect Cliff Kingsbury or any offense for that matter to really show up all their exotic plays in the preseason anyways. But, you know, this time around, uh, the, the Cardinals, they played the Vikings at Minnesota, a tougher road game, indoor stadium, and then uh, they lost 9-20. to But the promising thing that I saw out of this game was, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, he didn't dominate per se, but he looked like a, you know, a legitimate quarterback. He looked a lot better than what he did in week two against the Raiders. He had a couple of timing routes that he successfully completed. His offensive line looks a lot more competent than the prior week against the Raiders. And you know what? They, um, I the first time that I saw all preseason, they, they played some fucking defense. Their run defense was much better. Pass rush, I don't know. It's, it's still up there, but at least, you know, they, they were making some plays. Kirk Cousins went 3 for 10, and I know it's just preseason, but it showed that, you know, the defense can certainly make a play or two. Camo, uh, I mean, you're from Arizona like a couple years back. What's your thoughts about the Cardinals right now? Yeah, um, you know, I, I still feel like the jury is out on uh, Kyler Murray. You know, I think obviously Arizona's biggest issue for the last several years has been their offensive line. So, you know, I think if that if they continue to make improvements there, it's going to make you know pave the way for him to have success. But again, I, I feel like the Cardinals have a lot of a lot of other needs to address as well. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson is out. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is like 100 years old. Sure. Um, I know Christian Kirk is a guy who's kind of up and coming, especially in fantasy fantasy draft this year. Well, but, um, speaking of receivers, they uh, they signed your boy. Did you hear? We're gonna, we're gonna have some more Richard Sherman oh. uh, so and so battles. Who, who you know I'm talking about, right? Oh uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Crabtree, right? Mr. Michael Crabtree is a Cardinal, not once but twice, and so the first time around. Oh. That was weird. Like, didn't, yeah. they, didn't they try to sign him like two or three, three weeks ago or something? Yeah, uh, he asked for too much money. They didn't want to pay him. But then uh, T-Up's boy, Hakeem <laughs> Butler, got hurt. I think he's uh, – they're probably going to yeah, – actually, they did place him in IR. So he's probably going to be out for the season. And so after that, they uh, they finally paid Crabtree. I think it's like a one-year, three three and a quarter million dollars. I, I think something like that. So. Did you see that one? There was like a report online. Saying, uh, the Cardinals, they asked, they asked Patrick, like, what's the best way to play, uh, to live in Urban. Did you guys see that? No, <laughs> what? I, I didn't. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. So, something about the Cardinals, they asked Michael Patrick, you know, what is the best way to play against, uh, Urban? And Michael Patrick said, uh, you know, the best way to play is, uh, to live in Urban. And then Patrick's response was, no, that's not going to work with me. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell it's probably because the, the press was baiting him and all that. And he's like, nah, man, we're not getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. I, I, I know what you're doing right there. You can, no comment. No comment. Next <laughs> next question. Next question. So. Well, it's going to be wild, though, man. I mean, like, turn the chances. 2012, you bet that Crabtree and Sherman will play again, but Sherman is on the Niners and they got to on the Cardinals. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, man, we live in, it's like the Twilight Zone right now. So, on paper, you have Larry Fitz, like, he's like 40 million years old. You have Christian Kirk going into his sophomore year, and probably at slots, uh, actually not at slot. I mean, 
I think Crabtree will take the number two role, and then you'll have Christian Kirk in the slot, or might have Larry Fitz. But it seems like those three are going to be the the starters, and then you're going to have Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, uh, to kind of round out the depth chart for them. Uh, kind of a trip, right? Yeah, then they, then, they, then they have your boy uh, Brett Hundley uh, back in, as QB2 on the team. Yeah, and to your point about that, it makes sense. I mean, you have Kyler Murray as the number one. You want someone similar to run the offense, whether it be, and, and don't take this the wrong way, whether it be a Brent Hundley, a Tyrod Taylor, an athletic quarterback to kind of take the reins for that, a Tar- Tarveris Jackson. I think you might be noticing a trend, but I don't mean that sort of trend, but you get what I'm saying, like a nice athletic quarterback to run this sort of offense, dot, dot, dot. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, a fun fact is uh, Brett Hundley is from, from the Phoenix area. Is he? I mean, he's from Phoenix, and then he went to UCLA? I think so. And you know how I feel about, uh, about UCLA football players anyway, so, or just any, any, uh, any athletes in general. I guess. I mean, you don't like Russell Westbrook. You don't like Zach Levine. You don't like. Uh... No, not so much. You don't. You don't for basketball. Not so no, much. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. No, I'm gonna pass. Yeah, he's from uh, Chandler, Arizona, which is like a little suburb just outside Phoenix. Speaking of Chandler, so let's go talk about the other side. Offense, like I mentioned before, it looked a little bit more promising this time around in Week Three. Um, but like I mentioned as well earlier, like. This pass rush outside of Chandler Jones, I mean, who the hell is going to rush the pass? Uh, the passer you have Chandler Jones, you have what Brooke Reeds, who's super super old. You have, I don't know, man. I mean, that's another kind of cause for concern that came up to mind for me. You know, for sure, yeah. I, again, I feel like you know what, you got the Cardinals are. You know what? What is what is their what is their current identity? You know what I mean? Is it just it's just this rookie sensation for you know number one overall pick they're gonna weigh on this year? Or, you know, what is their story gonna be this season? Right. All right. Well, I mean I think the big picture you know, as much as people love about defense, but I think the the big thing is, you know, is this Cliff Kingsbury higher? Was it worth it? I mean they invested a top ten pick in Josh Rosen, they traded him right away, they signed a a head coach last year they fired him so they totally flipped the switch and if this doesn't work it could really hamper the franchise or it could potentially be a genius move by general manager steve kime but this isn't the conventional way to build a team you don't typically draft quarterbacks in back-to-back drafts and you typically don't have head coaches in back-to-back years Will this and and here's another thing that kind of I've been hearing it on first take and some other things too. But I mean, if you're gonna hire a new head coach, I mean, what has Cliff Kingsbury done to deserve a head coaching position in the National Football League? I mean, he played a 500 record football with Texas Tech. You have a lot of experienced coaches that have been putting their time in in the National Football League, but then you hire this kid. I won't say I say kid in, in in just this sort of analogy, but you hire this younger guy out of Texas Tech to be the next Sean McVay, and while it might work, sure you have your Shanahan's, your McVay's of the world. There's probably going to be several young head coaches that got this position because of their successes. That's you know just by numbers, the numbers game is not going to 
always be as successful as those uh, two aforementioned coaches. Yeah, I, the, the team did it very, I mean, they only, have Arizona sports any touchdowns during the preseason? Yeah, they have. I mean, you know, they, it's not like they, it's not like they've been horrible, but I think that, um, I don't expect them to necessarily compete for the NFC West division right away. I think that we're all kind of curious to see because, you know, come preseason football time, they don't really show all their plays either. And so what is this? Cliff Kingsbury offense, what does it really entail come week one in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, I don't know. That's, uh, they're going to be going to some woes for sure. Right. Any other final thoughts about these Arizona Cardinals? What uh, What do you think their uh, What do you think their ceiling could be this season? Like, what do you, What do you sort of record are you predicting? You know, I'd I'd say, you know, optimistically. Uh, just because I think that they should be an interesting, intriguing team. I think that, I, you know, even though I was questioning them earlier, I was kind of taking that devil's advocate. But I think they're going to be an exciting, intriguing team. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they got four to six or maybe four to eight wins for that matter. But at least four wins, I think that they're going to compete. Um, the only thing that I'm really kind of concerned about is... Yeah, that defense, um, especially if this offense doesn't work right away, you're going to have a lot of three and outs because they're going to pass the ball a lot, I'm sure. You're going to have a lot of four wide receiver sets. And so that's going to put, you know, similar to Chip Kelly, uh, when he went into the NFL, you're going to put a lot of pressure on the defense to, to make a play. And I'm not too sure that this Arizona Cardinals defense is ready to make a play and help the offense out. It's going to be really tough. What about you, Tia? Yeah. Yeah. Or what about what about you guys? Yeah, they're definitely not in any position to, you know, make those big plays. Not even let you know until they're that better comes back. Um, who's their defensive coordinator right now? Their defense. Oh, Vance Vance Joseph, former head coach of the the Broncos. So he's been, they're going back to they're going back to a three four defense. They were a four three last year. Got it. Yeah. So another thing too to point out, it's a transition year for their defense. Yeah, I, I think one one thing too to watch obviously is is how uh, how much they ride on uh, David Johnson and his return this year. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm actually excited for David Johnson too. I mean, fantasy football wise, he's been like what number five, number six overall after the big four in terms of fantasy football. I mean, by theory, he should have a lot more running lanes outside the tackle. He should be a lot more involved as a receiver. I mean, there's a couple of things to look forward to. Do you have him on any of your teams thus far, Justin? I do not. I've drafted Tevin Coleman. I've drafted um, Chris Carson in some of my... I'm in seven links, by the way, guys. So I, it seems like I've drafted everyone. But... That's it? That's it? Uh, yeah, just just seven. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it, guys. Just just seven. Um, but I have not touched. I have not had the opportunity to draft David Johnson yet. I wouldn't mind, but I haven't. As of now, I've drafted. I think three out of my seven teams so far, or seven leagues so far. I have not had the opportunity yet. I'll let you know if and when I do draft David Johnson if I get that chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, if there's nothing else to say about the NFC West, 
we're right at oh shoot we're almost at an hour let's go ahead and conclude this uh this pod with uh, a couple thoughts so as i mentioned earlier like way in the beginning of the pod Kyle shanahan he was kind of taken aback when asked about the quarterback situation because he just heard about andrew luck 29 years old indianapolis colts franchise quarterback he abruptly decides to retire from football and a lot of it has to do with just some of the mental strain of rehabbing and coming back from injuries you know mind you it's not like he's right now it doesn't seem like he's had uh, like a major injury right now but i think collectively he's had like a torn abdominal pectoral tibia fibula i mean he's had like a plethora of injuries and so i think collectively he just says i'm emotionally i'm just kind of out of it right now i don't i don't have that passion anymore and yeah the fans beat him and i heard uh some fans slashed his uh i heard some fans slashed his tires today which is pretty classy on on behalf of the colts but uh what are your guys' thoughts about the retirement of andrew luck by the way he's from stanford from the bay area yeah 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 i mean i think you know kind of shocking they kind of came out of nowhere but they, and it sucks that you know they kind of scrambling two weeks before the season starts but you know i understand that you know he's had a lot of a lot of injuries um you know he's a bright guy so i feel like he's looking out for his future so i think he made the right decision for himself yeah dude i mean he is from stanford uh every time they interview him a very intelligent person a very you know woke person uh as some of the kids may say nowadays but it seems like you know, life after football, you know, he's got a lot of promise. And from what I understand, they're going to allow him to keep his $25 million bonus. Um, I guess that's his last parting gift. TF, or just on, on the sure. advocate, you know, the, the devil's advocate side, I mean, do you think it was selfish for him to announce his retirement so late into the season, just two weeks going into the regular season. Do you think that was selfish? Do you think that fans have a right to be mad? Do you think season ticket holders have a right to demand a refund for their season tickets? You get what I'm saying, though. I mean, some people feel that um, what Andrew Luck did was not cool in that light. I mean, what, what say you about that, to you? I mean, I do see it both ways. I really can't, I mean... Yeah, man, he has a laundry list of injuries that he, he's been through throughout his career, and he, it, it seems like an ongoing battle year after year after year. And, you know, uh, I can't really believe it's, it's his body, and, you know, he, he's talking about it. He has, he has to admit that, uh, that city and that team to, um, you know, to be recognized around the league. And he, he had a phenomenal year last year. However, you know, looking at it, bigger picture, he, he did kind of fuck the rest, or the Colts. And, you know, it being two weeks away from the beginning of the season, he comes out with this whole um, impromptu interview after the after the game, which most likely he didn't plan to do so. No, no. Uh, you know, it's just such a peculiar situation. Especially, like, a fan booing him, like, that's just a chase. I don't think he deserved that. No, and I don't think he was planning to... Um... I think the way the news came out too, that wasn't his plan. From what I understand, he was probably going to announce it on his terms. But I think whether it's been ESPN, Adam, Sch- I don't, I don't know who, but someone picked up on the news and it got leaked during the game, during the preseason week three game. And so 
New, you know, you know how Twitter goes. You know everyone's got cell phones for Christ's sake at the stadium. They they found out via Twitter or whatever that uh, their their franchise quarterback was going to retire, and so instantly right away once they started booing him, you know, you know he's he's like fuck, it's out. Everyone knows now. Not the best way to go out. And then he you know, obviously it was a very emotional post game conference talking about his retirement. I think this is going to be one of the more polarizing moments in, I can say, NFL history. You know, you, you think about Barry Sanders. You think about Calvin Johnson, Patrick Willis, people in their primes, per se, that choose to leave the game where they do have football left in them. But no one at the quarterback position has done that. And I think that's why this position... This mo- movement, this moment has uh, has a lot of NFL fans shook. It has me shook. Well, when I first heard the news, I was I thought it was uh, a bunch of bullshit. I thought it was someone trying to troll me on Twitter. Like I had to double check the Ian Rappaport Twitter account to make sure that this was like a real tweet. You know what I'm saying? But anywho, guys, appreciate your time once again. Your boy Just the West. Tee up. Thank you so much. Camo, thank you so much. We should do another pod together. But I do recognize that it is kind of hard to do a three-way pod, especially, like, who goes first. But I think we'll get better in time. Uh, tee up, Camo, any special plugs or any other shout-outs you want to make before we end this pod? No, not really. Follow me on, uh, on my Twitter at uh, Tommy D at 148. Follow me on Conversation. Let's do it. All right. What about you, Camo? I was to say, uh, check out justthewest.com, follow on all the social media platforms, and yeah, we'll do this again. All right, for sure. iTunes, Spotify, podcasting, we out here, www.justthewest.com, at justthewest Twitter, at justthewest Instagram. Until next time, we out here. Peace. Later. Peace.